Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today, we got a duo for you people. Selena Gilbo and Raven Cole, uh, they founded a company together. And we're going to get into the work that they're doing. They were recommended uh, by Margaret, uh, you know, a good friend. And I wanted them to come on and, and share the work that they were doing and get into, you know, things like culturally responsive teaching. And I do have a question about white privilege. So I'm interested in see what they're going to say about that one. Uh, so for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourselves, Selena and Raven? Hey, y'all. So yeah, I'm Selena Gilbo. Um, I am a high school teacher. I teach in an online school, um, co-founder of Lab Education. Um, I teach right now uh, high school English and African-American studies. Um, I actually teach the, this is the second time the, I guess like the founder of the course uh, at two different schools. So kind of have pioneered that for two schools. Um, but yeah, right? Yeah, so, and I'm Raven Cole. Um, I'm also a high school teacher. So I currently teach media arts, um, but I am a super book nerd. I've taught literature most of my career. And, but so now I'm teaching Photoshop, which has been a, a journey. Um, but yeah, so I'm from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm just really excited to be here. I'm also co-founder of Lab and um, excited to talk with you guys about Lab Education today. Awesome, awesome. I've never spent any time in Baton Rouge. I've driven through it. That's um, a shame. On my on my way to the greatest city in the United States of America, Nola. Hey, that's where I live. <laughs> no, I, I can't claim it too much. I just like bought a house here, like what four months ago. But I live here. This is my city now. So. Yeah, you, you get to claim that. You get to rep that. <laughs> that's the joint. My wife and I love that city. We have been on so many times and we love how you go back and it's like this is more stuff to see like I, what <laughs> and you know the the crazy thing about the when the pandemic kind of like hitting and everything got shut down we were planning a new orleans trip oh man right oh, yeah. we're like yo we're gonna go to nola we're gonna do this thing and then yeah. like, they said that we're like we're not going anywhere no we're, no we're, we're, yeah, that's, that's been tough because normally there's always something to do in New Orleans too. There's always festivals, there's always food, there's always a concert, you know, so yes. yeah, yeah. That's, it's been tough. It's been tough. We did something very New Orleans today, right after work again, like, you know, that whole like daylight savings, you got to go before it gets dark. So we ran out, got some po' boys and like sat on the back of my husband's truck and out on the bayou <laughs> just it. ate our po' boys. I was like, this is so uh, Louisiana right now. <laughs> po' boys on the bayou. But it was so nice. It was so nice. Wait, what type of po' boy, Alina? Where's it from? Um, it was an What's oyster po' boy. This is Parkway po' boy. So good. If you haven't had right. Parkway, if you listen to this, get you some Parkway. So All good. Right. All okay. right. So good. I haven't had one. My 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 joint in, in NOLA is uh DB Steakhouse. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Write it down. We'll go together. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Great service. 
And I was, mm. I was like, my wife and I went in there. Of course, we were just like chilling. And I was like, oh, we underdressed for this bad boy. But <laughs> <laughs> they're real nice, great meal, great meal. Awesome. Uh, so, oh, we got to do all today, people. Uh, I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, I would have never told y'all be doing what I'm doing right now. So what did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up? And what attracted you tra- attracted you to a career in K through 12? Ah, well, our, I mean, I know our journeys are definitely different. Right. Uh, so for me, it was, okay, so when in middle school, and I guess a little bit before that too, like I struggled with English, um, was not a good, I, I guess, reader, my comprehension was low. And so they threw me in instead of like an elective, like everybody else got in eighth grade. I actually had like read 180. So like an additional reading class to help me with comprehension and reading and all that stuff. And so, um, I don't know, since that class, I just found a love for ELA and like, you know, writing and poetry and all that stuff. So I was really into writing all through high school. Um, senior project was about me, like finishing my book as a kid. And like, I just wrote this book out. And then I remember senior year, my, I was like looking at my principal and not my principal, my guidance counselor was like, I don't know what to do. I just know I really want to work with people and I like to write. And I was like, where do I do both? And she was like, have you thought about being a teacher? And like, she said that and it's like, boom, it's been a done deal since. Like, I'd never thought twice about it. It's always been my thing. Like, it's always something I enjoyed. Um, so, you know, since then certified ELA and, you know, math and I just, like people um yeah I I mean like my story is pretty kind of cut and dry to be honest when it comes to it it's just like clicked and that was it so Mm -hmm. what did you go for undergrad I went to LSU and then actually just last week I'm a telling girl uh just last week I uh um finished grad school so I um I got my master's in educational leadership so just finished that Still trying to get some sleep back, but (laughs) thanks. So, so yeah, so graduation next week. (laughs) Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. And, um, I guess for me, so yeah, a bit of a different thing. So I guess, um, when I was a kid, honest to God, my, my plan right for my life I thought that I was going to travel along the Mississippi River in a boat that I built myself and write poetry about all the things that I and I was going to do this with with my my boyfriend who is now my husband um yeah we didn't do that um I actually um (laughs) ended up I was very fortunate in that um in Louisiana at the time we had the tops program right so I was able to to get a scholarship to go to college and um I also went to Louisiana State University and um I was most of the way through an anthropology degree um, before I just had a complete meltdown in the middle of college. Like, I don't know that what I want to do. I don't think, you know, I, I have a job in my head. And um, my husband and a few people were like, why aren't you pursuing something with like writing in English and teaching? Like, maybe you could be a teacher. And I was like, ah, no, because I always, I love to write. Um, And like I said before, I'm a huge book nerd um, and I had a lot of English credits. um, And so I decided, okay, I'll give it one class, right? I'll give it that intro to education class. And I took it and just really fell in love. Um, And I was very fortunate in that I went to school with, you know, Selena Gilbo over here. And I had some great mentors at LSU. Um, And ever since then, it's just kind of 
been a whirlwind of, you know, discovering all these new passions and these new little worlds within education. So yeah, definitely didn't think I would be a teacher. And if, you know, I don't think most people that meet me are like, oh yeah, she's definitely a teacher, <laughs> but um, I, I really love it. So yeah, it's again, happy to be here. <laughs> wow. So how, how did the two of you know each other? College. Yeah. So we were in the LSU's Go Teach program together and um, and it wasn't just like just college. It's been a journey. <laughs> we have been good friends like since then. So like we uh, like I said, we were in the Go Teach program together. We have we were we both were uh, pre-service teachers at the same school. Um, we both just so happened to like teach at the same school after we graduated. It was crazy. Like I, I got the job first. And then after I got the job, the principal was like, Hey, do you know anybody else looking for a job? And I was like, Great, cool. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you, but you should talk to her. Yeah. And then like, she got the job. We were like, Oh my God, I can't believe you got the job. And like, it did that happened like again, but the other way around, like, you know, yeah, Raven got the next there. job. Yeah. We happened to move again. We've been, was, we've been, uh, yeah, hopping around together. Oh, and we were together with um, NCTE. We were both officers for yeah. um, the National, what is it, Council for Teachers of English. We were public, yeah. pu public relations officers together, which was really fun. Right. And we were able to travel to DC together, which was my first time in a plane um back in college and so we were you know we flew out and did that and we were like pre-service teachers geeking out amongst you know the other teachers so we have never like really intentionally have hooked our hips together it's been like like every time we've been like okay well I'll see you later and then we turn around the other ones there we're like ah it's you again and so it's just been like we just have been you know it's been a beautiful friendship and a good colleague I mean colleague yeah but like primarily friendship that's been really great to have especially taking on like the exhausting job of an educator like that is there's right. a lot of work that goes into that and you know Raven has saved me a lot of days you know and she's been great help we've cried together right we've laughed together all of that yeah. you know and it's, <laughs> um so it's been really nice to have that support that friendship has been a big deal yeah no Selena's Selena's my family so we're we definitely, it's been um, one of those things where you meet and you think, oh yeah, I, you know, really connect with this person. And then suddenly, you know, we're teaching together. We're, you know, planning, you know, Selena's wedding together. We're right. doing all You're these in things. my wedding. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So you two are the co-founders of Lab Education. Take me back to when the idea of Lab sort of started to formulate. And was there a particular incident or a moment or something that, that you experienced that motivated you to launch your company? Well, um, well, you know, like we said, we were together. So we've been together for what, like almost seven years now, right? Like yeah, had yeah. similar experiences. And so the start, our pre-service, we were pre-service teachers together at um, McKinley High School in Louisiana, you know, first black public school. Um, uh, with the program at the time it was called English Amped, but it's, it's now called Humanities Amp. Fantastic. You want to talk right, about somebody you. you need to talk to Great Dr. Work. Well, like that's, that's, those are two amazing educators. Um, that's, that's, that's Anna West and yeah. uh, Destiny Cooper yes. are amazing people. Amazing. And, um, so they really opened my, our eyes, like literally showed us what it means to be, culturally relevant and community centered. And like, 
in their classes, they um, worked together. So they co-taught and it was really like, like I said, community center, they would have members of the community and come in and speak with the students and like learn beside them. Like the students would be doing um, what they call CPAR projects, which is critical participatory action research projects. And um, where they would critically, you know, uh, analyze and, and think about their community, look at the problems within it, and then create projects to make change that they want to see within their community. And not just like, this is my trifold that I want to do maybe one day that no one will ever see. Like legit, go out and do the surveys, come back, analyze it. What are you going to do now that you have this information? So they really showed us what it needs to be culture, like uh, community centered and culturally relevant, right? To, to talk about race, to talk about um, St. George, right? Like this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but with this neighborhood where they were trying to, um, uh, not neighborhood, create a new, what, parish, I think it is, or new district? Right, so they're trying to create, um, it is a, a section essentially of the Baton Rouge community that is really trying to um, separate itself from um, Baton Rouge and try to form its own, um, I guess, is it a city, right? I think they're trying to, right. to have a township or some type of city, um, but it's, it's a very racially charged situation here in Louisiana with, um, yeah, with that, with that community. But yeah, right. sorry, Selena, go ahead. No, no, you pinned it. You, you said what I couldn't say. So, um, so yeah, so that's like, we, we really learned from them really what it means to be culturally relevant. And they kind of set the bar. And like, since then, Raven, I've been like, we want to be like that. And so we've been trying to learn and grow to do that. But of course, since then we've worked at different places. So we've learned kind of really the scale or the range, should I say, um, and, and where people are in having these conversations. We taught, uh, we taught at another um, public school in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, Baton Rouge is a pretty urban district. We, we felt pretty okay talking about racism in the classroom, um, you know, sexism and whatnot. Sometimes we get a little pushback, but for the most part, no, right? Um, but then moving on to our you know, current school now, which is kind of across, because we're working at online school, so it's across the state of Louisiana. And um, we, we see a difference now. We kind of really get a really idea of what it looks, um, where a lot of teachers maybe fall in Louisiana. I don't know, well, let me not just say that because I don't know where everyone is in Louisiana, but we definitely see uh, there are people are not where humanities amp were, um, where people kind of, a little more hesitant to talk about race and sexism um, and it's more to like stick to the text in a way but like mm -hmm. the text doesn't exactly talk about you know our world you know um, I remember one time I, I remember hearing a teacher talk to another one a socialist teacher talking about the bill of rights and they're like yeah we're talking about the bill of rights today and we're not we're not discussing it we're just sticking to the facts I'm going over it and that's it and it's like, 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 that's where we miss opportunities to kind of critically engage and we see where people aren't doing that. Or um, Raven, you had a situation, huh? Yeah, I mean, of course, this, this type of thing always comes up in class, but especially um, talking about more recent experiences where it really started the conversation with Selena and I, we, I had a student, we were, um, we call them live sessions, right? This is a, a a live session with our students where we're having that direct instruction on video. And I was, um, some one of my students they were bringing up something related to police brutality and i knew that this was going to be a tough conversation for us to have but um one of my students 
you know, in the middle of one of the other students talking said, hey, hey, wait, I don't think we're allowed to talk about this. And at the time, you know, I, I talked my students through it and, you know, we, we had a, a really um, a good conversation. But afterwards, when I was like really reflecting on what that kid said, I was like, whoa, first of all, what did, he, what did they mean by allow? Right. What had happened with that student in their lives or what had they seen at our school to make them think that this was a topic that they just weren't able to discuss, you know, even with an adult at, at you know, in the lead of the conversation. Um, so a lot of situations like that were happening with with, you know, in our own classrooms, with our our teacher friends, with our teacher networks. And um, Selena and I have always tried to to help teachers. That being said, you know, in 2020, this is a whole different situation, right, Selena? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to continue with that, but yeah, oh, 2020, yeah. Oof. but yeah, you're right. Like 2020 with everything going on with the murder of George Floyd, and then don't even get me started with COVID and everything. There are a lot of conversations to be had. And um, so we kind of were like, well, you know, just seeing kind of where things have been, um, some of the conversations we've heard with teachers and whatnot, we don't know if our teachers are ready to take on these things. So we kind of um, have been just kind of providing support for teachers um, at our school. And then we realized uh, that we would like to kind of take this larger, like, hey, where else could people use support? What other spaces, what other conversations can we have? And so that's kind of where, like, I guess, lab education came from, right? Like just where, where else can we um, be support for teachers that maybe the teachers at our school are not the only ones who are like, right, right. oh, this, this comment's weird. Let's just delete it instead of teaching kids how to talk about it. Um, or Right, so I, I, I definitely feel like this, it's, it's work that we've, we've been, trying to do right. right and this year we've really been able to kind of formally do this work right in a in a very um formal way i guess where you know we ha we're talking with superintendents right we're putting things online right whereas before it was very much just this is what's happening in our classrooms and you know the teacher next door needs some help and we're just kind of you know having yeah, them over yeah. lunch so yeah. now it's definitely much more formal i think so let's get into lab Please tell the audience about the work you do. You want to jump into this, Ray? Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, first I can tell you that um, we do have a, a nice new website uh, at labeducation.net. Um, and so I'm very excited about this website. But um, yeah, so we essentially, um, our whole goal here is we really want to empower educators, right? We want to empower people to really confidently navigate these really difficult conversations um, that are happening in our classrooms and in our communities. And so lab, some of the things that we're doing, we're doing a lot of, you know, um, professional development, right, for educators and for administrators as well um, about, hey, you know, what happens when, you know, a uncomfortable moment, someone says something maybe very insensitively, um, what do you do in that moment, right, or maybe talking about how do we create, you know, a culture of tolerance in our school. Um, so lab, we're doing things like, um, you know, helping people unpack their own identities and make those connections between, you know, what's happening essentially, um, you know, in their lives with what's happening in the classroom and in their schools. And so, um, yeah, right now, you know, we offer professional development. We, we did one with, um, a district recently that went really well. Um, we're putting out videos online. We have a lot of stuff on YouTube right now. Um, we're also consulting with teachers one-on-one. -on -one. 
right? So that can be really, that can be the toughest thing, right? Selena, we're, we're finding that, you know, <laughs> oftentimes, you know, you bring people together for something like a professional development and you might see that, oh yeah, this is good information, but you need someone there to really talk to, right? And so um, I'll especially, I, I just got to brag on my friend here. Selena is just so good at that. She's just such a great listener and trying to find those, those moments where like, hey, let's unpack what you just said and see if we can kind of, you know, find a direction for us to go in here. But um, yeah, so we Thank offer that you. consulting with teachers one-on-one um, and we're also working hopefully in the in the new year we're really trying to put this together to offer some small group dialogues um, to talk about things like you know race talking about you know bias talking about um, essentially you know current events what's going on in your community how do you talk about these things with people um, because another part of our goal I think is just to help people you know be good people right that's that's a hard thing to do yeah. sometimes um, but yeah, and kind so, of like, just to add on to that, like, what do you need to think of, like, as an educator to keep you rolling? Because right. these conversations in the class, like, you know, like every, if you're listening to this, you're a teacher and you know what it feels like when a kid say something and like suddenly you're red, you know, and suddenly your blood, like you can hear your own pulse and you're like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so it gets really intense sometimes. And so it's just like really about like, we're trying to support teachers and giving them, um, I guess, different steps and, and I guess, uh, strategies to fall back on to stay focused on the goal. Right. And that's and also like a space being a for teacher. Them yeah, a space for them to to do that um, and to practice that, right? Because I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things that's really scary for people, um, especially like, you know, tackling race in the classroom, right? We, for some teachers listening to this, they might say, oh, well, you know, I'm super comfortable doing that. I don't have, a, have an issue with that at all. Well, I can tell you with some teachers, um, especially here in Louisiana, um, you know, white teachers are very hesitant here to talk about race, especially with um, students of color. It's It's a scary thing, right? And so what lab does is try to create a space where we can talk through those fears. We can talk through those vulnerabilities and why, you know, actually it's, it can be a really good thing to be vulnerable with your students. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of, you know, we're offering those things, but I'll be honest in that, you know, we're really just kind of beginning this journey. So um, we kind of started doing this mainly as a, a result and responding to what was happening in our own communities. But the more in contact we get with other people, the more things I think will kind of emerge and hopefully we can offer. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to add like, um, as far as audience though, like who we're really targeting, um, I guess we, we can see ourselves as like really good support for anyone who's like, I don't want to talk about race. I don't know how to start. Like I want to, but I don't know how to start. Like if you're like thinking about that, like reach out, we're here. Like we're, we're talking, we're looking for the people who don't even know where to start, but like are interested and like, mm -hmm no judgment zone. We have had our own paths and growth. Like we know, you know, we're here to support you. So yeah. Yeah. You're far more evolved than I am. <laughs> far more evolved. Uh, if you work in education, you've heard the term culturally responsive teaching. I'm a black man. To me, that's just teaching. Like it, Right, right. Right. So it, yeah. if I were teaching an English class, I wouldn't go to the white canon. It wouldn't even get on my radar, right? Because for me, it's like if, if I'm, I'm Black, if my students are Black, I'm bringing in authors that look like them, that has, have had some of their same experiences that we can have 
a different comfort, a different type of conversation. Representation, you know, matters, as they say. For those who may not know what it is, or may have the wrong idea about what it is, they they may think it's reverse racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the look. I saw the look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, please define what culturally responsive teaching is, and what does it actually look like in the classroom. Can I take this one, Selena? Yeah, you got it, girl. <laughs> I got it. So, um, so the first, I there are a few things there that, that I want to touch on. So, um, I guess the first thing that I should say, so you can't tell from my voice, but I am a white woman um in, you know, from the South. Um, and so I am very familiar, I guess, with um the pushback that happens when we have these kind of uh, almost like what buzz terms, right? We've got like culturally responsive pedagogy and, you know, those kind of things. And so um, I guess, so as someone that that has studied um, culturally responsive pedagogy, and so Selena and I actually had the privilege of really specializing in like critical pedagogy and culturally responsiveness when we were at Go Teach. Um, and so, you know, culturally responsive pedagogy is really all about empowering students. Um, so if I could put this like in the most simple terms, it's really about you know, connecting what is happening in your classroom, right? The learning that is happening in your classroom, connecting that with students' lives, with students' cultures, with their identities. And so really creating a student-centered classroom. And so the thing is, I think that culturally responsive pedagogy, this is something that, you know, good teachers just do, right? Now we just happen to have a term for it, I think is what's (laughs) what's happening, right? Um, But culturally responsive pedagogy, I think really kind of reinforces this idea and making sure that, you know, teachers know, you know, education does not, cannot happen in a bubble, right? You have to consider what's going on outside of your classroom and you have to consider what's going on in your students' lives. You have to consider what's happening, you know, current events and you should include that, right? And, and embrace that in your own classroom. So hopefully that that is a, a decent definition, but that's really um, you know the the way that Selena and I think have taken it, especially in terms of lab, right? This idea of connecting, um, you know, what's happening outside with what's happening inside our classrooms and inside our schools. Yeah, you killed it, man. I think that's perfect. Nice. And like also like that's where the learning happens. Like right. yeah. thinking back on that teacher with you know the Bill of Rights, like I said, like oh we're just going to talk about it, we're not going to discuss it. Well we miss the opportunity to discuss it and like recognize like, Hey, some of these amendments are being honored. Right. And then talking about, Hey, what can we as citizens do differently or what can we, what could be different or, you know, really engaging in our community. Cause we don't want students to just, Oh, now you're an adult. Now you start thinking about your life. Right. No, we want to practice that now because we I mean like just like every other skill you got to practice it to get there and so we want them to practice that now in a safe space before we're you know like petitioning for things that don't even make sense it's like well let's think critically about our environment and like how we all connect and our you know the um the intersectionality, right, of it all. So, and that's also to connect that with the work that lab education is doing right now too. Though is, um, you know, Dr. Will, you just said, you know, you're you're a black man, and so if you were teaching a class, you know, you would consider who's in your classroom, and you would have books by, you know, all these different, um, you know, you would have representation essentially is is kind of what you're talking about, and that's actually something that in one of our professional developments we we talk about. Um, 
because, um, you know, as a white teacher, especially when I first started, I, I was teaching literature and I got to tell you my first syllabus that I put together after it took me until almost school started was staring at my syllabus and realized I had left out almost all of the people that were on my syllabus were white men. And I think the reason for that was because I was teaching what I had been taught, right? I was teaching, you know, this is the way education works, right? You'd learn this in high school and then you went to college and you were, you know, you went through the, the canon and, you know, this is just how you teach it. Um, I think that's why culturally relevant pedagogy, it's important to talk about it because I just, I didn't have to do that type of thinking because I was a white woman, you know? Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about white privilege at the beginning. You did, I think that's part of it, right? As part of my white privilege was I didn't have to think about it, so. Yeah. Oh, and for those who are weren't wondering, I'm not white, I'm black. <laughs> that's really important to our our, um, our teamwork that I'm black and she's white. It is. It is uh, created a really diverse um, duo and it really opens some opportunities for us. We could talk about that more later. <laughs> I hear, I hear. Look, I, I was woke before woke was a term. And uh, I went to an HBCU. Okay. Because I was intent on having an education uh where I was around people who looked like me, who had a, a mission and, and a focus specifically on making me the best that I could be. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had to, to be around Black people from the North, the South, the Midwest, the West Coast, Black people who were from a lower social economic background to middle class to upper middle class to black people from around the world from the continent of africa to the caribbean and i was like oh my gosh look at the the deliciousness of blackness <laughs> that i am engulfed in right now this is amazing and to be around people who all had this mission of I'm trying to make things happen, people. I'm trying to make it happen. I'm like, oh damn, I gotta, I gotta put in the work. I gotta put <laughs> myself too. It was just a wonderful experience uh, to be there in the conversations that we had of, about life and the world and and things. I was like, yo, when I left there, I was like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I mean, that's why. <laughs> that's why when people. That's why certain conversations, or I see certain things, I don't. I am I'm different about right. I didn't like the marches, because when I saw the people marching and and the protesting, I didn't like that because we've marched before, mm. and nothing happened. So for me, my thought process is like, why are you doing that? We said we need to build black schools. We need to build more black businesses, support black businesses. We need to do things so where we can take control over our economic and cultural existence in this country because we cannot expect others to see our humanity. I got and quite honestly, I don't care. Like I don't wake up in the morning going, there are white people who hate me. Why? I don't care. I really don't. 
it's not it's, it, it doesn't do anything to spoil my day you know what i'm saying so i i, I would rather be more proactive in what we can do mm-hmm. for ourselves as opposed to what government or uh the goodness of strangers in terms of how they operate you know i, I was just like okay let's let's do something else let's do something else you know yeah uh that, that uh, makes me uh yeah. that makes me think about the dialogue on on uh on race. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I fi- just recently finished um like their first round. I forgot what they call it, but like their first round it's like a six week um kind of uh program where once a week you get together and you talk for two hours with a group about race. And one of the things that I took away, we were talking about like power. And like, we are talking about how everyone has it, but how it might look different for a person, you know, depending on, you know, what space you're in, um, you know, what you have access to and whatnot. And I think like, um, it really shows kind of the position you're in and the power that you have to say, like, let's take a, you know, a systemic approach here and let's change the systems, right? Let's make some institutions. Um, whereas others, their power is not as limited to, but one of their greatest things is that voice in the street. You know what I mean? It's just like that mm-hmm. difference in power and the power used by everyone in their different spaces um, creates this overall change. I think I think it could be good, like all of these things happen. Cause I think you're, you know, you're totally right. Like change's gotta happen at that approach. It's not just within the hold up posters and everything it's we got to change we got to change people's um pocketbooks honestly you know like where we have to change the system and they can't they can't profit from these things anymore so um yeah but uh awesome program by the way y'all should totally get on that yeah i hear you i just just not into it because as black people we don't educate ourselves we don't feed ourselves we don't clothe ourselves okay yeah and but it's like also like what did they learn you know what I mean like as in like talking about like um just like like we're talking about like institutionalized racism right like they some of our communities are so underserved where instead of shooting for what you and I've had the privilege of shooting for and like seeing like oh education sir they're so underserved that they don't see the benefit of trying to play this game right and like they found benefit or wealth in other ways and like finding in their own game right but like we're we're seeing a lot you know with uh you know some of the violence or whatnot we see um it's not that these people aren't hungry to learn i think everyone but th- that's also the teacher in me like i can't help it <laughs> so, like i'm always like that teacher like they're always willing to learn it's just like what is it that they learn and what are they learning that best serves them but they lost the way though they yeah. lost the way because now I'm 47. My father was born in 1947. So the Jim Crow Mississippi, I am one generation removed from color water fountains, segregation, all of that. Cause my father grew up again. He was born in 1947 in Mississippi. And so when you look at when integration, but now prior to integration, the black lawyer, the black teacher, the black doctor, the black pharmacist, the black businessman, and the black hustler all lived together. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So kids mm-hmm. had different sort of experiences and visions and expectations of what they were able to see. And we controlled the economics in our community. We controlled the schools in our community. Integration came. And when some of us started to move on up like George and Wheezy, we left. And now the hood didn't have the teacher anymore. The hood didn't have the doctor, didn't have the pharmacist. The hood had the hustler. And because of that was left, that changed the game of what they saw. Mm-hmm. You see, and that's my problem of when you do not have, like, I don't believe in the achievement gap. I believe in the hope gap. Hmm. Right. Because you said the hope gap the hope is gap. an H-O-P-E? Yes. Okay. As right? sure. Because gotcha. when you are exposed to certain things, that expands what you see. That expands what you believe is available to you. That expands what you are, are, are I don't want to say capable of doing, but when you look at certain areas in our communities, right? They see brothers coming out, going to the NBA. They mm-hmm. see brothers rapping, right? So for them, if you were right now as a teacher, you may, may, you may say, hey, what do y'all want to do? Uh, half of your kids may say, I want to be in the NBA or NFL, but they, mm-hmm. they, but they see it happening all around them. They see those, the, that's what they see. Mm-hmm. But when you can look around and you go, yo, that's that's a computer scientist right there. Oh wow, that's what again representation matters. When right. you see those things, now your world expands. Now you go, I can do that too. Right. Right. That can be mm-hmm. me. And that's why one of the things I loved about uh Jay-Z as of late, because he's been talking entrepreneurship. And LeBron is all about the entrepreneurship outside of his ball. And so that's been another vision for young black men to see and go, oh, the game can be played at another level. Mm-hmm. And right. that's for me. I- I'm about that next level because I don't have time for the, for, I, I really don't. I just don't see any point of it. I, I don't have time all this stuff i'm like we got to make game changing moves right Right. no i think you're right that like those larger changes right um like what the nba did with um like changing all of their um what arenas to be you know voting polls that's a game changer right like that's a big deal that's like they're changing not just like they're not just saying like oh black lives matter right we're we're creating change where things can actually happen and not just advocating for it. I guess like, is that similar to like what you're saying? Like making those changes? But but those brothers exercise their power because they knew without them, there is no NBA. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like everyone is going to do that. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, exercising your power where you have it. And like you and I are in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm not over there changing the NBA and I can't do that, but like, you know, we can have, you know, professional development and begin to change teachers approach who are then teaching hundred, 150 students change their approach, right. Talking, then it might touch into some family conversations at table, you know, at their dinner right. table. So like, you know, that power exists somewhere. Also, I think it, it says a lot, you know, going back to that protest, 
those people may not be able to make change that day, but they are creating conversations. And if there's anything I learned from dialogue on race, their, their, their phrases like um, action is uh, talk is action. Mm -hmm. And so seeing those protesters, right? Like I, I vividly remember one girl, um, well, I'm sorry, woman, one woman at Baton Rouge um, back when uh, the murder of Alton Sterling, um, and she was standing in the street at Baton Rouge and the, you know, the police, maybe it was a SWAT team. I don't know. They were really like suited up. They were ready to go. And she's in a dress mm -hmm. standing there. I can't remember if she had the flower in my hand. Maybe I just added that in my imagination, but she's just standing there with her open arms and they're like running towards her. And like that picture, I'm imagining someone had to look at that, like the kids, right? And like a kid to say, mommy, what is she doing? Why is she standing there? Why are the police mad? And or like these Selena in our classes, remember? Because that was us, right? We were yeah. the, putting the, that picture. And yeah, so 2016, yeah. that was a tough year, right? So, you know, Alton Sterling was was killed by police officers, murdered in by police city. officers in our city. And there was a lot of civil unrest. And so as teachers, um, and then also at that same time, we had a historical flood that happened as well. But oh, yeah. Um, our job as, as culturally responsive teachers was not to just brush that aside, right? Because our kids were, you know, organizing protests. Our kids were actively talking about these things um, and not just, you know, our students of color, but white students as well. And so, you know, we're having them do visual analysis on, you know, protest imagery, yeah. right? We're, we're, we're doing that so that they're able to think critically about these things and what also, so they can think crit critically about their power. Right. Mm -hmm. What is your power as a citizen, um, you know, in the United States? Like what what can you control? Right. Because oftentimes, especially with with this type of civil unrest, we, we feel a little you know helpless in a lot of cases. Right. You wonder what what can you do? Right. And so I can't speak at all, you know, as a white person, you know, I can't I can't say what, you know, your, your experiences are. Um, but for us, you know, my conversations and my power um, definitely is in the conversations that I can have with other white people, um, you know, especially like in these spaces that lab education is trying to, to, to make, right? Um, the conversations that Selena and I are able to have with teachers, with educators, of course, look very different based on who we're talking to. And also the conversations that I can have with white teachers look different than the conversations that Selena has with white teachers. And so, mm -hmm. I think part of my power is, um, and my responsibility is to talk about things like, you know, when our teachers say things like, oh, well, I'm colorblind, right? All lives matter, right? When they say things like that, a lot of our teachers, they're not coming at that because, you know, they, they have a bunch of hate in their heart and they, right. you know, they actually hate black people or something like that. A lot of times it's, they are, they have these good intentions and they genuinely don't understand what's wrong with saying something like all lives matter in the face of saying black lives matter. And so we, we, we try to have those conversations that we know are very, very difficult. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's going why I said back. you're more involved than I am. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like, like um, it's coming back to me now. Raven's, and um, by the way, amazing teacher. And like, she, she comes that's up so. with really good, <laughs> she comes up with a lot of good lessons. And I remember her saying that, like that um, gallery walk, right? And you know, analyzing photos. And one of which I forgot was like protests. I forgot we used to, like you yeah. came up with that. That was awesome. And that photo um, you were talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, we had a whole lesson on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but like the, 
I appreciate the protesters for pushing us to have conversations and pushing our students to think critically about their community. Um, because if they weren't out there, how, how much of this would, how many conversations will we have in the classroom or how would this have maybe been brushed on the under the rug? Because I know what's happening recently with 2020 and George Floyd is just like, this has been too big to ignore, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people are at. I talked to, um, a teacher just like two weeks ago and she was like you know like I'm obviously not racism blah 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 you know that whole like spill on I swear I'm a good person but I didn't realize my white privilege I didn't realize these things and now like the word she used was life-shattering moment um where she realizes these things and like she just is like what do I do now? Like, and then she's like realizing her past actions and how that may have impacted things or how that may have been a disservice um, to others. And even how like as an educator, how that is like an ethics issue, right? Like what teachers did you advocate for? Which ones did you not advocate for? And so what, which way is our system biased, right? Because of these things. So I don't know, but going back to it, she, and I'm sure others wouldn't have had this learning moment if it wasn't for the you know um the unrest that has happened you know um not saying anybody needs to go out and destroy anything but i'm saying the voices and you know that has caused for us to stop and listen i'm right. appreciative of that pause stop reflect the, kind of thing right and that's also something that we've um we had ha you know with this professional development that we did recently um yeah we we made the conversation about protests we really prioritized that because that was a big um and dr well i don't know how much you know you go into politics on your show but that was a a big conversation um especially in our communities and at our school was you know what civil rest is going done to, going to happen in light of these presidential elections right like what what's going to happen and so we also were seeing you know the the media represent representing protesters as like these very violent people um and our teachers have these you know uh, just a kind of a lack of understanding of like the big historical context of of what's happening when people protest right um some people especially white people when you have not experienced um you know, the type of discrimination when you have not experienced, um, you know, the type of, what am I trying to say here, Selena? Like the, I guess the, um, I guess the like level almost disenfranchisement of that that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that has happened to a group of people. It can be really hard to empathize right? Yeah. Um, just because you haven't experienced it. And so um, like, and I can, you know, tell you here, like, and I, I try to talk about this because it's, it, I think it, it really informs a lot of the work that I do. Um, so I am from Livingston Parish. I am from us, like, you know, I'm from, I, I live in Baton Rouge, but I grew up in Livingston Parish. And I can tell you that this is a place where racism is rampant, right? I grew up, um, you know, in a, in a town where, you know, white people didn't talk to black people. Right. And in fact, like my father was a racist and this was, and my stepfather was a racist. And so it was something that, um, growing up, like I had to unlearn a lot of things, right. I had to, and I, we were talking about this earlier. Selena was actually there the first time 
that someone talked to me about white privilege and I, she watched me have to go through like, oh, well, what about economic status, right? What about the, this thing, right? Um, and so it's something that I think it's always going to be a hard thing, right? To talk about, you know, racism. It's always going to be a hard thing to talk about how these differences and these biases affect our communities. But um, I also think that it's possible, right, to have these conversations and it's possible for good things to come out of these dialogues and out of these spaces, right? And so again, talking about power, I think that, you know, for me, this is part of like the power that I do have, right, is to try and help people navigate these really difficult things because I know how hard it is, right? I know how difficult it is. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. I, I hear you, but you know, when you talk about that, imagine if the top football recruits in Louisiana and basketball recruits, baseball recruits, they didn't go to LSU. They went to Dillard. They went to Grambling. Imagine what that would do. Right. It'd be awesome. You're right. right. It, would be, it would be amazing. Not only for the HB, HBCUs themselves, for them to have that, that experience as I've experienced, mm-hmm. but those universities would go, what the is going on? <laughs> Yeah. Right. That our that we can't get these people because if without those brothers, they don't have teams and they don't Mm -hmm. have winning and they don't have winning championship teams. So Mm -hmm. if they decided to go, that's why I'm so excited about uh, Deion Sanders going to be the coach at Jackson State Mm. because now that brother is going to be able to pull those that top talent from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. from Mississippi State and from those schools because he it probably even uh Nick Saban may have to look out mm-hmm. even yeah. LSU so them dudes may have to look out because Dion can actually go into those living rooms and say do you want to go to the NFL I got you because not only am am I a hall of favor but I can make a phone call and have any coach come to mm-hmm. my come, come to my stadium yeah Using that power, baby. Yes. And so that's See, who I am. I, I'm, I'm not one for the okie doke. I'm one for <laughs> leveraging the power that I know that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think part of part of like some of what we're trying to really do, though, is just basic things. I mean, I think a lot of our teachers and a lot of people, especially where we're from, Helena, like they struggle. They don't understand what institutionalized racism looks like. And in fact, it's something that when we create professional developments, we have to think very intentionally about how we present things Um, because phrases like institutionalized racism, phrases like white privilege make people very defensive make people they have these you know connotations in our communities that you know it it becomes really tough right to have um i guess a not an effective conversation but a, a conversation that at all right yeah. um because th- they either don't believe it's real or they just don't know anything about it and it can be a tough thing to be a teacher and be in a space with you know with other educators and you know, feel, you feel ignorant, right? You feel, you feel stupid because you don't know. Um, and so I guess that's part of why, like, I, I really believe in the work that um, lab education is doing is because, you know, you got to make space for that and mm-hmm. you got to make space for just, un, you know, what is, what does that mean? Institutionalized racism? What, what, what's different between, you know, 
having representation in like large sports stuff on the media, what's the difference between that and, you know, a student, you know, bullying another student because of their race? What's the connection there, right? We talk about that, talk about, you know, that interconnectedness, that intersection of things. So, right. And how just because someone like, I don't know, anybody like me, right? Oh, you got your master. So it must be, we're done, right? Right. Racism's, Racism's over. over. <laughs> we, we get that <laughs> a lot in our feedback, I, actually. <laughs> don't know if you guys noticed that, but it's over now. No, it, right? Wow. Like, right. We get that a lot. I, we, um, you know, we actually had to talk to a couple of teachers about, no, no, let's, let's really think about just because one student, you know, what really helped, one teacher I talked with, what really helped is um, comparing it in a way to um, any other like maybe uh, accommodation that you may provide for a student you know what I mean like um, so like I was talking because uh, she's like you know obviously you would help a, a student if you would um, you know if they were having trouble reading right um, in the same sense like obviously you know black people can read but I mean like as in like you know don't have access to certain resources or whatever because of you know your social socioeconomic status or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so like comparing that, it's like, obviously we would, you know, with that student help them, right? Provide whatever accommodation in the same sense. Yeah, another student who may need the same accommodation may not have needed extended time, right? He didn't need the extended time. He took the test and the amount of time, that doesn't mean no other kid deserves it. So, um, you know, that talking about it in like a very like general teaching accommodations way that seemed to have helped with, you know, um, a teacher or two. So I don't know, we, when we try to talk about race, we try to talk about um, the system and mm -hmm. not the self mm -hmm. um, because well, one, that's where the problem is. Um, Cause you know, you can have your point of view but it doesn't really change the system, right? Um, so, and then it also helps people put their defenses down, right? If we're talking about, hey, we need to talk about the curriculum that I'm not like attacking them on the way they teach, right? Or if I'm talking about discussion strategies, I'm not attacking them per se on like what they're doing wrong. So we try to like really focus on the overarching um, kind of just practices of teaching and not really mm -hmm. like, this is what you need to work on. Now, if we consult one-on-one, -on -one, then we'll talk like, Hey, I'm noticing this or whatever, but it's never in an attack. You need to fix this sort of way. It's very like, you know, trying to be like, you know, a, a, a friend, honestly, we're like, Hey, we're going to be your friends. Well, you figure out racism can <laughs> talk to us. And it's also <laughs> like, though, like, you know, even the most woke person in the world, you're going to mess up at some point. You're going to say yeah. something, you, you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to please everyone hundred percent of the time. Right. And I know we're talking a lot about, about race right now, but also, you know, we, we also yeah. have issues with, you know, our, our teachers, you know, students are asking questions about, you know, the LGBT community and our teachers, they struggle because they don't know where the line is. Where's the balance? Like, can I, can I express, you know, an opinion? Can I talk about this in class? You know, what's my school's policy on this, right? Like our teachers have a yeah. lot of questions about that. Um, and it's something that, you know, we see a lot, right? We see, we see this often, like, and for some reason our, um, you know, the institution has decided that we just, oh, we're just not going to talk about it. We're just right. going to pretend it doesn't exist and hopefully it goes away, right? right? And it doesn't, and it hurts people. You know. So when you're trying to have these conversations with people, 
and you're trying to help them unpack uh, their biases or get them to see what white privilege looks like on a concrete level, right? Not something esoteric, but something very tangible that they can sort of walk away from and go, oh, hmm, yeah. I know you touched on it, but how do you, how do you have that? And particularly in a way that is productive. Cause see, I don't have the patience <laughs> to have certain conversations with certain people cause right, right. I'm done at a certain point, I'm done. Like there's a cat, he and I don't even talk to anymore because I told him black people are not going to solve white supremacy. We did not create the system. We're not going to dismantle the system. You, white people got to do that. That's on y'all because we, we, we can't do anything about that. I'm more concerned about black people building for other black people. And he got mad. He was like, Will, why would you say that? I am not like that, Will. Because he thought that I was accusing him of something. He thought I was, right. and I was like, look, dude, I didn't say anything. I, look, I, t- I take people as people. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't, wait, you know, paint a wide brush against white people. I don't have the, that, that sort of thought process. I just told him that when you're talking about on a systematic level, I can't do anything about that. That's something that you, when you go home and you are in meetings, you need to address certain things. When you have family members, you need to address certain things. With this going on, you need to address certain things because I can say it, but that doesn't mean it's going to hit home with certain people the same way if you were to say it. So when you are having these conversations with people and people are starting to kind of squirm a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, or they're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not racist. I have, a, I have a black friend. Karen comes over my house. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know you had Karen. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> We're talking to them then. Sorry. My bad. How, how do you how do you do that in, in, in a productive yeah. way? Well, I mean, Ray, I know you could talk more about white privilege, but I do want to say. No, go ahead. Um, you, you, you definitely. Selena is. <laughs> so good at this she's so so good at this because I, I Dr. Will I think you and I are, are much more similar I lose patience at some point <laughs> Selena I've seen Selena go Selena will go three hours with you to help you unpack it I'm at some point I'm gonna be like yeah we're cutting you off uh we can pick this up later but yes yeah, Selena go ahead okay I wish I could say like nah Ray you're wrong no it's true um I will go for a minute but I I think to me down to my Hufflepuff core, um, I'm a teacher. And so that's my approach to a lot of things. So when they say something or whatever, I'm like, I'm a teacher. And just like you would in your class, if a kid's like struggling to read something, right? If they're struggling to read aloud, you don't take the book and you're like, sorry, kid, that took way too long. You're done. You're right. Like, you're like, it's go. That's the word go and like move on. No, like <laughs> you let the kid, you take, you know, you let them struggle, you take your time. You, you know, you work through them, you know, help them out. Maybe even pronounce some of the words that they're really struggling for. But for the most part, they got to struggle through it. Right. And you just right. got to be there to help them like, you know, like a bowling ball going down the aisle. 
I'm the little bumper. So I'm just trying to help them get there. So <laughs> you can bump all you want, little slow ball. You're going to get there. So um, that's really my approach. Like, yeah. I, I just tell myself every time I'm primarily a, a teacher in this space. And mm. that's how I approach the conversation. So whenever they say something, um, I try not to take it personal. Um, mm. And I try to think of it as like, what, what is the misunderstanding here? What is it that they don't understand? What is it that they need to know? And I try to identify that. The best thing for me, I'm a thinker. So I like will sit and, you know, think for a second. Best thing for me is like to ask questions. Like, you know, like they'll say, you know, but you know, black on black crimes, why everyone's focused on, you know, police brutality, but they got black on black crimes. Um, and I'll just ask like, oh, well, you know, why do you feel like that's as important? Or why do you feel like that? validates leave you know ignoring police brutality or how does that compare um and letting them keep going then i'll ask another question and just asking questions and then letting them run themselves into a spiral then there'll be a point maybe i'll interject and say well you know uh you know well you know they're black and black crimes is not like it doesn't i guess stand out against any other crime right the leading people who are killing white men or white people or white people, you know, the leading person killing Hispanic people or Hispanic people. So it doesn't stand out. You know, you know, I might share a fact or two in there to guide the conversation, but for the most part, I'll ask and question, but like, you know, I'm a teacher first is my first thought. And then like, really like as a teacher, like I said, asking myself those questions, what are they, what are they misunderstanding? What don't they know? What do they yeah. need to know? Right. Um, really just focusing on the material, right? And so as they're sharing, I'm thinking about like, what is it that they need to know? What, what fact <laughs> as a teacher, like what is my objective today? They need to understand that, you know, uh, black on black crimes is problematic and does not properly um, well, first, does it negate the fact that we need to do something about the police system? And then also, secondly, it's, it appropriately highlights this group of people, right? Um, and so I try to figure out what they're saying and maybe comments or statements or questions that help direct them to where they need to go. Yeah. Um, again, focusing on the self. I mean, focusing on the system, not the self. So talking about the system and not like how, what you're doing, cause then it becomes, well, you, and then they start attacking me and I'm like, okay, well, it's not about me either. It's about everything, right? Mm. Um, the system as a whole. And so that's really my thing. And then also just the matter of patience, like just, just sit back, hold on, make sure you got your coffee, depending on if you're in the classroom or not, margarita, like, <laughs> just hold on and let's just do this. Let's talk about racism, right? Or let's talk about sexism and just have that patience. And, and I, I just, you know, in a sense of, I love thy neighbor enough to want them to learn. And so that's why I always look at it as, oh, poor baby, they don't understand, but I'll be here to help you figure it out. Like I might not know all of the answers, right. but I can help you like get somewhere, you know? definitely do not like consider myself like I know all of these things but I can identify maybe one or two fallacies that talk about how we can grow and I think that that what you said though just now really is at the core of it too is 
you know, when you're having, when we're approaching things like this with lab education and even just in our personal lives, cause I've, that's definitely, you know, the reason I feel, I think comfortable navigating these conversations is because I had to do this a lot in my personal life. Right. And so I think what Selena said though, is, you know, at the core of it, you are a person talking to another person. Right. And, um, oftentimes I find with, with this, especially because we did it as a professional development where teachers, one district of teachers had to take this. Right. And so, um, or it was, it was highly recommended, right. That you, that you do right. this, this professional <laughs> development and, you know, teachers went into it defensively, right. Teachers before you, you even get started, they hear something like culturally relevant. They hear, you know, um, anti-racism, that's a big one, right? Using the, the phrasing anti-racism. White privilege. They feel, white privilege. They immediately feel very defensive. And so part of this is really modeling the, how to, how to have the conversation. Yeah. And so like, for me, when I talk about white privilege and, and when we do stuff together, Selena and I, I, I take the lead on white privilege mm-hmm. and I model, Hey, here's how I had to unpack this for myself. And I also don't like Selena said, I don't, you know, present myself as, Hey, we're the, I'm the expert, right? I'm, right. I'm not the expert. I'm just someone, I'm a community member. I'm part of your community that is really trying to make, you know, do the best thing for our kids, do the best thing for our community. And here's what I did, you know, to unpack white privilege. And you talked about how to have productive conversations. We also focus on like, here's some real life examples of these things, right? When we talk about white privilege, I talk about, you know, as a young teacher, trying to put a syllabus together and me or a student asking me for a book recommendation. And this is, you know, like a young black child. And I gave them a list of books that was all white people. And then not realizing that, you know, the kid had to ask me, Miss Cole, are any of these girls black? Like, are any of these girls? And, and me having to be like, no, I didn't give you any, any of them and having to face that kid and have that conversation. But like, I mean, that was my white privilege in action. Never just assuming whiteness as the norm was white privilege in action. And so I talk with teachers about this is what happened with me, right? And I think that that helps. I think that, you know, showing vulnerability, right? We're not perfect. And we know these conversations, these concepts are really hard. Um, and, but that's also not to say that at some point, some people are never going to, to get this stuff, right? They're yeah. never gonna talk about it. And we try not, we're not here to have an argument with you, right? Yeah. And we're not, especially if you're a teacher, um, and you, you know, this is a professional development or whatever, we're not going to argue with you, mm-hmm. right? We might talk with you one-on-one later, but this is not going to be an argument in front of your colleagues, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're going to get combative or argumentative about it, um, Selena and I are going to diffuse the situation, right? Yeah. We're going to have to talk through it. Um, and I say this as someone that has had a lot of arguments on the internet with other white people <laughs> about racism, um, because I, and I know how difficult it is. And cause you know, we at this point because of covid this is like online professional development online dialogues which can be very different (laughs) than in-person dialogues which that that pd raven was talking about that we did for the district um that was online so that we had to like be very strategic and like we recorded videos and had online dialogues and whatnot we had to be very careful about how we introduced it um, but yeah, like going back to what Raven said, we, we, we always try to respect someone's like comfort level. Um, uh, we never try to like push anybody, um, because this is too, 
it's too personal and passionate, but a lot of people can't detach it the way a lot of people do, like the way we try to approach it. Um, because that's why, the, I mean, that's the reason why they haven't been able to talk about it is because they have attached the two, yeah, you know, it's so personal. Yeah. It's so personal. It makes sense. Um, so we, we try to take it slow. And if we walk away with the plants, you know, if a seed planted that will right. grow maybe 20 years from now, that's a win for me. If you <laughs> randomly in Walmart freak out because you realize about your white privilege or you realize about how, you know, institutional, you know, institutionalized racism or whatever, then that's a win, right? If you like realize randomly while you're shopping online about how, you know, certain advertisements are biased, you know, towards women or men or whatever, you look at the prices of certain products for women versus men, and you have a moment in the middle of the store, that's a win for us. So it's not really about like, when we, when we do, you know, have our professional developments or our dialogues, we are trying to like change everything in that moment. Mm-hmm. We're trying it's to accept process. what it's a yeah. process. It's yes. A process. We, we accept wherever you are. Um, also when talking about like pushback, Dr. Will, like how do we, how do we deal with it? We, again, as teachers always are trying to model like Raven said. And so, you know, someone says, well, this is silly or whatever. We're like, Hey, Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Now let's talk about your statement and let's break that down. And like, we'll break it down in front of everybody. So and it is always fun also to have that moment with another teacher when they realize they, they just got teachered, right? right. They, like, they know they just got teachered. We just taught you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It is fun because they're like, you know, you can see everyone in the room like, Ooh, this is about to get like this is about to get messy or they're gonna we're gonna watch them try to put themselves back together again and what we actually do is like hit it head on we're like oh I noticed that you said that the um what was that what was the riot that we were talking about the Boston Tea Party we noticed yeah. that the boss that you said the Boston Tea Party wasn't you know um uh what caused civil unrest. We noticed that you said that statement and it doesn't compare to what's going on. Well, actually it does, right? That's an interesting point that you make. And we just started listening to facts. So good, good. Wait, we see what you're trying to do, but we want to, we want you to recognize this, right? And just it's take a, it's it on. A going back to the text, right? She was, you yeah. know, they were talking about property damage. We we're like, well, let's talk about in history, what property damage uh, through civil unrest has looked right. like. And so we kind of bring it back to the text and model, you know, also modeling this in a way we're very careful because we know how easy it is for people to shut down. Right. This type of stuff. Right. And, and you can't so, learn when you're like that. Yeah. Right. But I find that Selena is really good. I, I prefer to put Selena in front of that because it's hard for people <laughs> to, um, to be mean to Selena. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to fight you. Um, Selena will be sunshine and daisies uh, for the next four hours. Um, but yeah, no, but we, but we do see that pushback and we also, you know, there's pushback from administration too. Then we've yeah. had to have those conversations with administrators of what's appropriate for, you know, your specific group of teachers. What are your teachers comfortable with? Mm-hmm. You know? And we, again, working with their comfort level. Oh, you're not comfortable with that? That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll remove that resource if that's something you're not comfortable with. But we're also going to explain our rationale for putting it up there. So you understand long-term what's our goal and that we are not putting it aside, right? We're still focused on our goal to be culturally relevant and anti-biased. 
but we want you to know like, hey, this may not be comfortable for you now, but this conversation will come up again later. And so we're like, okay, we never drop so that's, it. we never yeah. drop it. We won't we drop it in our back. We'll see, you in, <laughs> we'll see you in the next meeting. So like, we'll, you know, like, well, okay, we'll remove that resource. But um, we want you to know that, you know, a lot of teachers have shared, like, this is a concern. They're really interested. That's why it's there. If you're not comfortable, that's fine. We'll put it down. But uh, we will also, since then, we'll collect data, right? Mm-hmm. Collect data, show the need, reconvene. Hey, um, administrator, it's, um, I wanted to bring this to your attention. I know we talked about that not being necessary, mm-hmm. but also notice this data that we collected for you in your community. What do you, um, what do you suggest we do about this? Because this obviously is a need. What do you think? Or um, asking questions just to break down their reasoning for doing it. Why do you say that we shouldn't be discussing that? Um, what should we do about the students who might bring that up? Right. Because bottom line, we're doing what's best for the kids. Right. right. Administrators are going to agree with that. Teachers are going to agree with that. You right. Know, parents are going to agree with that. We're doing what's best for the kids. And so that that's the way we present it. Like, hey, we we're trying to provide support for this is the best thing for your child um, and support you, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, this has been one of those conversations, people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, it's been one of those conversations. So before, <laughs> uh, before we go, uh, because I have to ask this question because I am all about educators creating side hustles and not depending on your school district as your sole, sole place for income. Hmm, yeah. What have you learned about business and entrepreneurship by since starting Lab? And what is your advice or recommendation for those teachers who are thinking about starting their own side hustle? Selena, you want to start? Yeah, dude, I got you. Okay. okay, What have we learned? So a lot. I know. (laughs) I'm like, um, how much, how much time do we have? (laughs) uh, We've, I mean, we've learned a lot and like, uh, just like, I, I I don't know, I've learned about the diverse needs of various teachers and that, you know, in ways in which we're very different, we're all very similar and that we're, we're teachers and we want to serve our students and we love, and we're very passionate about what we do. Um, very passionate, right? Like it's really hard to be a teacher and not care, you know, like it's, that's, that's a part of it. It goes on, you know, without saying um, so for me, this is obviously a lot of work, like Raven and I, we already worked a full day, you know, I ate a pole boy and then now I'm back, right? If I wasn't on the podcast, I would be cuddled up with my husband right now watching some, Christmas some type Hallmark of trash film. TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What'd you say? I said Christmas Hallmark film. Don't lie. Raven, that's tomorrow. <laughs> Calm down. Not today. That's not on a Wednesday. Gosh, Raven. Um, so with that being said, like it's late, but like Raven and I have been like giggling and like cutting up with you, Dr. Will, like we've been having fun. So like in order to do this for us, like we've had to be where we enjoy it. And so <laughs> this is my life. This is my phrase for like my life, Dr. Will, like for real. Yes. But honestly, my advice would be to follow your heart, like for real. Like if you're interested in doing this, make sure your heart's in it because it does require more work you know because you can't just 
suddenly start doing it, right? It does require a transitional period, some work and whatever. And so we, we just begun and it's already been quite a bit of work. So, um, but we, I've had the pleasure of doing it with like my best friend. So like, that's kind of awesome. So that I, I know a lot of people can't. <laughs> um, oh, I'll talk about Dr. Will. <laughs> okay, I'll but. be over here. <laughs> never, never coming over here again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like, you know, it's been a real pleasure, but a lot of that is also due to the fact that this is where our hearts are. So yeah. that it makes it so much easier. What would you say, Ray? Yeah. So as for what we learned so far, um, so I was thinking practical things. So from just in 2020 alone, I have built two websites. I built labeducation.net <laughs> and teachertalk.online, which both are like teacher support um, websites. Really cool. um, and that in of itself, like that's a skill, right? And so that that took a lot of work. We've done video editing. We have, oh, um, yeah, we did, I did so much video editing, which is, <laughs> that's a whole thing. Um, you know, I've done, at, at this point, we've, we've recorded things, we've written curriculum, we've, you know, had to work on our, like just a lot of, um, just, you might have an idea and it's like, oh, at the core, I just wanted to like support teachers. And then suddenly, you know, you're 86 hours in staring at a screen, trying to cut Selena's voice, you know, over this photo, you know? And so, you know, I've learned a lot of practical things this year, um, talking, speaking with educators and communicating with administrators, right. About things like Mm -hmm. this has been, that's a, that's been a new thing. Um, but also when it comes to advice, um, this is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Selena's like, Oh goodness. But, um, for me, I, I often see, and this is what I worry about, especially when we talk about like teachers as entrepreneurs, um, there is this martyr culture within education, right? We expect teachers to just go above and beyond all the time. Right. And there's a lot of unpaid labor that happens within, with educators and it's not right. Right. And I don't think we should accept it. And I think it's something that our society expects and it's unfair. And for me, I think it's very important. My advice is to set your boundaries, identify your boundaries and set your boundaries so that you don't get burnout. Um, For me, school ends at 430. Right. My I do not. And because in Selena can attest to this, it's been a process for us because we are both people where once we have projects, we want to work on them a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've had to really balance both our friendship. We've had, I've had to balance with my husband, you know, cause there's only so much energy you have. Right. And if you're putting it all into your, your professional projects, how much do you have for your family? And so I'm, my advice is to identify your boundaries, set your boundaries and, you know, don't be a martyr for, for your work. Right. Um, be realistic about, about what you're able to do. Um, that n- that's not to say, you know, stifle your dreams, absolutely follow your heart, <laughs> but just do it in a way that, you know, is realistic, is smart and respects both yourself, right. Cause you as a professional respect yourself to set those boundaries and, um, you know, respect those around you. And so, and that's something Selena and I struggle to do, but we do it right. We, when we work with other teachers, you know, for lab education, we try to set those boundaries. Hey, you might have a question at nine o'clock at night and you can email me, but you're not going to get an answer until tomorrow. tomorrow. So yeah, I guess that's, that's my advice. Also like to add that to the boundaries, what helps it's like communicating that to your community, like Raven and I, because you can't do the boundaries if your people around you don't acknowledge them, right? right. So like, um, like we have to communicate that to each other. And so like we've communicated yes. and worked on that. I remember when I was a department chair, um, I, I was like, hey, you guys, um, 
I'm available for you. Like I'm here, whatever you need. But like after like five, they try to be, you know, cause you know, teachers after school, they got this, but five o'clock let's, let's leave it. If you message me, that means it's an emergency. That's what that means to me. So like communicating that and like also encouraging them to like do their own thing. And so it's, yeah. it's hard to do those boundaries. If you didn't share that with your community, right? I, if not, they would have been like, wow, Selena doesn't respond to her messages. No, they just know, hey, Selena has boundaries and Selena has dedicated that time to her family, to and herself. it's hard when you're, yeah. when your administrators also, you know, expect yeah. so much from you, you know, especially in the, in the land of COVID 2020, right? We've got this hybrid learning that's happening with a lot of teachers and they're having to learn how to do online education just quick, right? So fast. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not right, right? We don't, don't accept that unpaid labor, right? And communicate mm-hmm. to your administrators, hey, this is putting, you know, extreme stress on me. Um, I need resources. And so, right. you know, that being said, if you need resources, lab education's here for you. We're, we're happy hey. to help you. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Hey, never do it for free when you can get it for a fee. Right. Hey, <laughs> let me write that down. So <laughs> Lena's our note taker. Write that down. <laughs> that's how I'm living over here. Uh, so thank you two for coming on. Yeah, we thank, you. thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. Yeah, we, it has. It has. <laughs> so people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe and share. Now, I like the stars, people. They're cool. But can I get some comments? Can I get some reviews? Because not only am I trying to be found, I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Oh, Oprah coming on. I'm quitting my job. Hey, Uh, let me come. Full time, full time, full time. Uh, I like to thank my guests. Oh, my God. Selena (laughs) Gilbo and Raven. Cole for coming on and dropping so many gems. And again, I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. Edu, peace. Hey.